this song. My turn ons are sad sheets. I like to pee outdoors. You should follow me on Twitter. Let's watch. It's jokes to car. Not duh like duh. Oh, that's funny. It's duh like French. So it's jokes to car. Follow me now. With my Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Why, that acronym stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. Whoa, happy to be here today because this is our year in review 2022, which rhymes. Yeah, so we watched 48 movies this year. That's what we posted. We're going to, but... Because we're on Mutiny Radio, we're on Mutiny Radio right now. What is Mutiny Radio? Well, if you're streaming Mutiny Radio, you know you just listened to Found Round Sound with Scotto at noon and now at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's our show. We broadcast on Internet Radio every Sunday. We've been doing this since 16. Uh, what is that, six years? And uh, so check us out every Sunday. Go to mutinyradio.fm to find the feed. And we also... internet radio podcast it is listed by the date of show so you go <clears throat> i want to check out a show i don't know what the movie is this is our year in review as carl said we are going to go through each episode we'll tell you the date and the movie we'll tell you what we thought of the movie and we have some information hi yeah there's our list all right carl let's uh why don't we just kick off the list you know we also are going to be putting a video version of this of us talking for an hour and a half uh on youtube <laughs> right so uh if you want to watch us you can go to our youtube channel that is where we take the movies that we watch the premise of our podcast is we watch a movie on youtube with the sound off you watch the movie with us and you listen to our podcast at the same time and these are movies i read about and now i can watch instantly on youtube so carl let's kick off uh our show uh, and also, don't forget to donate to Mutiny Radio. You can do yes. it to Patreon, Venmo, at Mutiny Radio. Uh, and they should have some GoFundMe stuff up, uh, as always. Or uh, or MutinyRadio.fm, and you hit the Donate button. That's easy. And then when you're done with that, go back to the website, click on our show, and you'll see a list of all the stuff. We're on iTunes as well. We're going to start off with our first episode, first movie of 2022. That happened on Sunday, January 16. The movie was Skidoo from 1968. Yeah. Great film. Great, Great film. film. Absolutely. I love Carol Shanning in particular in that movie. <laughs> yeah. She's, it's charming. Uh, and uh, Groucho's weird. He plays God. But yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. This is a film that I recommend you watch even without us. You know, most of the films we're going to talk about today, they're good if you're watching with us. But this one, it stands on its own. And I yeah. disagree that he was God. I disagree. That was the gangster's name. You know, this is one of those weird fetishes I have as a bad movie aficionado where you take a good director like Otto Preminger. Yeah. And you only watch the, the bad movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For example, I have a copy of 1941 I took out from the library. That's oh. the only Spielberg movie I watch. I'm an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Just watch the bad ones. 
I don't know. I think it was a good film. It was with um, Jackie Gleason, of course. Of course. And it had the Riddler. What is that? Frank Gorshin. He's in a bunch of our movies. Yeah. And um, it was um, Pendleton as well. The charming little hippie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a this was hippie times, and this movie reflected that. And we love to watch uh, '60s films when the pop culture has caught up with mainstream. Well, it is pop culture, right? But the hippies have joined pop culture. Right, and we love movie versions of what that experience was in real time back then because it's so wrong. And then that's the only version we have. So this is a thumbs up from us both, right? Absolutely. And then, of course, they for the end credits, which is sung entirely by Harry Nielsen. Yeah, right. and he sings the credits. Those are the lyrics. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful movie, and it's on yeah. YouTube. Uh, January 23rd, 2022, was The General from 1926, starring our friend Buster Keaton. For general release. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really love this film. And this is another one of those films you can watch without us. You know, it yeah. really stands on its own. But mute the sound because you have that plunky, plunky piano crap. It's a great movie. It is like the prototype of every action film I've ever seen. And he nailed it. And it's it, it keeps building and building and the stunts are great. And, and it's just a very charming movie. I love it. Now, unfortunately, at the time it was released, which was what, uh, 26, 1926, the world did not agree with us. Uh, it was a commercial failure and it was a critical failure. People just, the, the pa critics panned it. And this was the movie that sunk Buster Keaton. Um, that guy who exploited him, what was his name? Uh, Joseph Sh Sheck, Schenk. Right. He sold Keaton's contract to MGM and that's it. He never made a film that he had complete creative control over ever again. He began to drink. Now, Carl, in the story, didn't they change the story? It's during the Civil War. Yep. Didn't he switch sides in the movie or something like that? Yes, exactly. This was a real incident called, well, there was a book called The Great Locomotive Chase. It was a true story of an event during that occurred during the Civil War. But the thing is that the North stole the train. So it seems backwards to you and me, but not to him. Buster Keaton knew that people would sympathize with the South. So he switched it to be the Confederates steal the train. Gotcha. There were many, many dangerous physical stunts that hurt Keaton. Oh yeah. They were using real trains and just yeah, yeah. And kept escalating it. And they and the yeah, it would was... start fires. Yeah. All right, so, well, we love that movie. Uh, moving wait, on. Wait, wait. No, no not moving on. Keaton was knocked unconscious. An assistant director was shot in the face with a blank. Oh, uh, the train a train ran over a brakeman's foot. It was like a three grand lawsuit, which back then was about 20 grand, I would say. Uh, the wood-burning engine caused numerous fires. We talked about it, and they would spread to the forest or the farmer's haystacks. They'd have to compensate the farmer $25 per burnt paint stack. But here's another one. Another fire broke out during the filming of a large fight scene, which not only cost the production 50 grand in 1926 money, but it also forced the crew to return to Los Angeles due to excessive smoke. And it was two months, no, it was uh, not so long later, but weeks they had to wait for this big heavy rain cleared it all out. The other thing was, do you remember the famous shot of the train falling into the water? Yeah, sure. 
That's that's my uh, that's my avatar. <laughs> that was the single most expensive shot in silent film history, forty-two thousand um, dollars. And the last thing I want to say about this film is it's in public domain. Yeah, baby. You know the public domain act is back. It's something Trump never touched. So no one really has touched. Uh, Disney meddled with it, but now that this yeah. year in the current year. Every year, movies go into the public domain, and we like to pick a bunch of them and watch them. And, you know, what the hell? So that one actually lost its public domain prior to this year, but yeah. it is considered because it came out in 1926. Uh, our last movie in January, it's dated January 30th, 2022. It is another public movie in, now in the public domain. It is a film called Tramp, Tramp, Tramp from 1926. Right, and what's not listed in your list is we did a second film called Fool's Luck in 2016. Oh. Tram, Tram, Tramp was, of course, what uh, it was a switcheroo, so you know better than me. I don't know if you remember. It was Harry, Harry Langdon. Harry Langdon, yeah. and it was really funny. You absolutely can watch this film without us, Tramp, Tramp, yeah. Tramp. Harry Langdon is a really strange bird. He would be like your classic sitcom actor. He was a silent movie star whose shtick, think of like Jerry Lewis, Adam Sandler, was that he was a man-child. However, he would invert any emotion. He was like very Zach Galifianakis, very absurdist humor. His reaction is the complete opposite. Essentially, it's humor. Yeah. Than what you would expect people to do. So if he's in love, he's like his eyes are like moist. <laughs> it is the most crazy shit I've seen. And yeah. you look at his film career. When talkies came around, he stung, he hung around in those fifty minute B movies that would have been a sitcom in in, in real life on TBS. Yeah. Where you know he is, <clears throat> there's one where he's like Jack Benny and he has a family and he has a black uh, servant. And he's like, oh, Winchester, you know, that type of thing. And another one, he's an old, weird, eccentric man who works at the all-women's sorority house or something like that, who would say, yeah. So this guy, like, I found all his movies on Tubi, you know, yeah, on, on your streaming services, and just watch one of his films. They're nuts. Anyway, real quick, Tramp, Tramp, Tramp is a silent film where his dad's a cobbler, and he's being run out of town by a national shoe company, which is also right. having a promotion where if you walk across the country in the competitor's shoes, you get enough money to restart your father's cobbler business. So he joins the race. He's also in love with the woman who's the daughter of the company, I think, or something like that. Wait, mommy right. Dearest. Mommy Dearest. Oh, it was Faye Dunaway? Yes. <laughs> Not Faye Dunaway. Faye no. Dunaway played her. Wait, who? Yeah. Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford, right. A very young Joan Crawford. And very he falls young. in love with her because she's on the poster. Yeah. This movie, you should definitely watch. I, I yes. just, high accolades. And if you have a chance to check out Harry Landon's career. I remember like the him. tornado? <laughs> yeah. I remember him, like, in the, his roommate getting pissed off at him. Like, he's in yeah. his bed. <laughs> it's just really funny. sleeping though. pills. You love that yeah. too. Yeah. He's like, I'm not falling asleep. Oh my God. He took so many sleeping pills. By the way, kids, do not take so many sleeping pills. Yeah, that's right. Just the one. Do you have anything else about our friend or tramps? Well, I just once again say, watch this without us if you want, because it's really worth it. But once again, turn down the sound for that plunkety plunkety piano. And then we went on to watch Fool's Luck, which wasn't the greatest 
you know, if we had missed that, it would be okay. But what was interesting is it was Fatty Arbuckle, but it was post-scandal. So he did it as William Goodrich. He wasn't right. even in it. Yeah, I don't really remember it. Oh, you don't uh, remember the piano was hanging out the window and he was on the phone? No, they were driving in the... All right, well, look, this one is worth seeing, but it's... it. If you miss it, it's okay. It's just very interesting that Fatty Arbuckle continued to make films even though the scandal had occurred, but he yeah. couldn't do it with his own face. He had to have another person. The, the, the character's name was The Dude. Now, that's 1926, and he was The Dude, so there's the a dude. history there we don't know. Yeah. All right, sounds good. Perf uh, all right, so that has been January. Carl, let's move into February. February 6, 2022, our movie was Wild in the Streets, also from 1968, as well as Skidoo was. Right, and this is one of those films we talked about where hippies were in pop culture and in the right. movies. Did you like this film? I mean, it's a more of an, a curio artifact. I mean, we have Richard Pryor, right? He was in there as a drummer yes. of the band. And the ending, it's basically someone under 25 becomes president and the youth take over the country right. and these little fascist pricks at the end storm the Capitol. Uh, a projection of contemporary issues. Did you say storm the Capitol? You do. Mm, that would never really no. happen. It's just a movie. You got to be careful about those hippies. That's the ones you got to look out for. Projection of contemporary issues of the time taken to extremes. Uh, and, you know, they lowered the voting age to 18, and this thing had him lower it to 14, was it? Yeah. Was this a Dick Clark Productions movie? No. Um, maybe you're yeah, right, and yeah, I don't yeah. know it. Maybe it was American International Pictures. Nope. It definitely wasn't AIP, but it might have been. I missed that in my research. Listen, uh, Greg Brady was in it before he was Greg Brady as the young Max. Yeah. Shelly Winters. Shelly Winters was a big Shelly Winters was in that. I liked her in that. Egg, Beg Egg Begley, Ed senior. Begley Sr. was the senator. Does he and go by Ed Begley, I'm one and only? <laughs> at the time, he probably yeah. did. Now, listen, this guy, Christopher Jones, played Max Frost, our hero, and he did a really good job. But he has an interesting life. He was a little crazy, and he had lots of problems, like a car crash and getting panned in Hollywood and accused of rape. Yeesh. And he was great, great friends with Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. And when Sharon Tate was murdered, he quit films. He just quit. I remember you. I remember you telling me that. Wow. Yeah, he had serious uh, problems, bad reputation. Um, one time they drugged him. The, the, the people were making a film and they didn't tell him. So when he drove home, he had a terrible car crash. This guy was racked with uh, problems and, uh, and mental issues too. And he was accused of some bad stuff. So the film is worth seeing, but I don't think without us, I think this is a film you want to see. This this has always been a classic camp cult film. And finally got, I read about this movie a lot. And when I finally got to see it with you, I just felt like a ripoff to me. You know, like, Richard Pryor did nothing funny. Um, just everyone was young, I guess. You know, younger than you usually see him. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. The musical numbers were okay. If you see it without us, I don't know that you. It, don't, it's you curio, but see if you see us. if you see without us, relax. There's a narrator throughout the film. That guy's named Max Frost. He's yeah. running for president. That's right. Don't worry. That's... We talked over that. We're very meta. We're yeah. Move forward. Next movie, uh, February thirteenth, twenty twenty two. We watch. You must be joking. You gotta be. You gotta be. You gotta be. Sixty five, nineteen sixty five. Right. So this is a British black and white film starring the Butler from Trading Places, Terry Thomas, among others. Right. Is this the uh, scavenger hunt film? Yeah, this is the scavenger hunt film, and I enjoyed it mostly because of those crazy accents. I love uh, <laughs> the English accent, you know. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. yeah, the the butler from Trading Places, he played it plain. But, you know, you had Terry Thomas, you had all these people. Basically, the government asked these agents to collect a bunch of stuff and drop it into little lots uh, to win something. And, you know, it, well, I it guess... was supposed to be that there was a nuclear disaster kind of thing and you had to preserve English culture. So they had a list of scavenger hunt things that would preserve English culture. One of them, those those porcelain ducks that you see on English in English houses. One sure. of them was that that bell from the, the insurance company. It was some liberal stuff. liberty. Yeah. So yeah. you know what? So I guess it's a mad, 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 mad world came out in 63, 65. Right. So this is kind of t a British take on it. I, I like the he, one guy was the butler was in the labyrinth. And the way he got out of the lab labyrinth was calling a helicopter to drop a ladder. Well, and well he, he was in a maze. Yeah. He, he was oh, an aristocracy kind of guy. He had all sorts of money and people would, you know, uh, his servants. And yeah, he just phoned a chopper to come <laughs> in and pick him up. Now that guy, De Denim Elliott, we also saw in Brimstein, Brimstone and Treacle, I guess the previous year we had seen. Oh, him. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just tell you some funny. of these guys. Uh, you wouldn't even know his name. This General Lockwood, he was in My Fair Lady um, and he was in The Toy. Do, do, you, do you remember that I guy? I just watched that on HBO Max. Lionel Jeffries was the Scottish one, and he just did a great job. We saw him in Prisoner of Zenda on this show. Um, the guy from Pink Panther, Graham Stark, was in it. Yeah. Um, I won't go through the, all of them, but you would know their faces. It's black and white, even though it was a time of color. And the director was Michael Winner, who would go on to do Death Wish. Yes. Oh, interesting. So this is yeah. a light touch for Michael Winner. He did the mechanic. He did Wonton, the dog who saved Hollywood. We, we're dying to watch. We would go on to see another Michael Winter film this year. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we'll talk about you, with Bronson. This is one of those ones that if you see without us, it won't be torture. You know, you'll yeah, enjoy it. I agree. You just have to be in the mood to, to watch some really good. It's a British comedy. It's like a British version of um, World, Mad Men World. Yeah, it is. With a military bend. Remember that one guy continued to try to escape and he could never get out? Like everyone else escaped. Yeah. Good show, Winchester. Keep it up, old boy. You'll get out. Yeah. All right. There you go. That's a good recommendation. I'm going to move forward from British comedy to 80s straight to cable video with North the Carolina comedy. Not um, comedy, horror, right? Oh, are we doing? Uh, I was going to say it's Real Men on the 20th. 
Yes, you're right. Excuse me. That was a switcheroo. So I didn't make notes yeah. about Real Men. Yeah. Well, Real Men was definitely one of those movies that was not theatrically released, and but it was available at your video store on cable in the 80s and 90s. And it's Jim, Bel Jim Belushi and the late John Ritter. Yes. And uh, he was alive at the time, a little trivia I have. And <laughs> like during the filming of this film? Yeah, he was alive during that. It was before cool. September 11, 2000. And uh, he has a lookalike who's a super spy who gets killed while trying to talk to aliens. So super spy typical, Lucy, typical. typical prince and the pauper, has to take average suburban dad, uh, John Ritter, and turn him into a super spy to meet the aliens and hand a glass of water in the woods. It's and very Jim was it was either the big gun or the there was a choice he had to make. You had to either choose the big gun or the something else, and they you know, like which would mean world else. peace. Yeah, they right. chose world peace. And what it is is kind of an adolescent boys' fantasy of this genie that pops out, the great Gazoo from the Flintstones pops up in front of your shoulder. And lets you do anything you wish. You want to move that baseball? You want to do this? And he gets revenge on the suburban bullies. Remember, the bullies were the best yes. part in the, in, the yes. in the garage. The movie is definitely, it's one of those films you either watched 100 times 40 years ago on cable or you didn't. And uh, it's worth a dip. You're now, I'm water. not a Jim Belushi fan, and I do not recommend this film without yeah. us, but you are a Jim Belushi fan. I am. I've known him through the decades. Yeah. I would be happy to smoke his weed if he wants to send me Jim Belushi Oregon. Weed. Oregon weed grower. Oh, it will be God, Jim. Just send it to care of P.O. Box Spiegelman. Uh, I'll, I'll smoke your weed. I'm a big fan. But yeah, this movie was kind of like an adolescent wish fulfillment. I felt like it was written kind of adolescently. There was some weird sex stuff where Jim Belushi like fucking goes to town and has to smoke a pack of cigarettes or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I so, only smoke after sex, something like that. And then you'd catch him smoking a cigarette. You'd be like, oh, okay. All right. Just... <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh if this appeals to you, go see it. You know, but that's it's not I'm not damning it, it just exists. So either you're right. gonna watch it or you're not. Okay, now we get into the horror. February 27th horror, that is, we watched The Boneyard with horror mavens Phyllis Diller and yeah. Morbid Fell. Right, from from um, Three's Company, uh, who we'll see again in, you know, this year yeah. uh, and paired up with John Ritter. Now, Norman Fell, okay, first of all, I don't recommend you see this film without us. It is a bad film. It's a bad uh, film. But it, if you're a curio kind of person and you'd like to see Phyllis Diller without a wig on and you'd like to see Mr. Roper not looking like Mr. Roper, oh, remember he had the mustache. mustache. Yeah. And, okay, this was directed by a guy who was not a director. This was his only directing, you know, venture. He was a, he was a special effects makeup person and he also was a sculptor for movies. So he did um, makeup and sculpting for The Enemy Mine, Enemy Mine, The Thing, Cocoon, Jaws 3D, Star Trek Four, Elvira and Heartbeeps. Oh, man. And do you remember the poodle? Phyllis Diller's poodle turns yes. into a monster. That yes. was really pretty much worse. That was pretty much it. But it was a weird kind of like, I don't know, there were 
Quincy and the E's like working on bodies or something. Well, it was Hotel. a morgue. Yeah. yeah, they were in the morgue. They tried to get Alice Cooper to be in the film, and he turned it down. Um, right, good for him. Now, the director made Phyllis Diller not wear a wig. She was Mrs. Poop and Plants. She had her little Fifi dog, and she didn't wear a wig. I don't know if that's good or bad. And I don't mind. It's a horror movie. Yeah, so it was kind of scary. You're yeah. right. <laughs> that's not what you meant. Um, the VHS rental box came with two covers. One was a horror, promoting it like as a horror film, and then the other one, it was a comedy. It was promoting it as a comedy, which is fair. Diller and Phil, go to hell. Go to hell. What? I turned the thing around. It says go to hell. Now, yeah. the star was very overweight. She was a really heavy person. And I'm not sure why that choice was made, but she pulled it off. She was, she was really good. She was yeah. actually the, probably the most interesting thing in that film. And there was some interesting things, including the poodles. But uh, yeah. it was kind of hard to watch. You know, it yeah. isn't that. I think, I think everyone did their best on it, but I, I just. I, watch it with us and you'll enjoy it because yeah. we're all over that film. It, it, it's funny. And uh, we point out, you know, do a lot of talking about what's really going on and how they filmed it and stuff. So that is our February 27th episode. You can a day before it. my birthday. Hey, all right. Yeah, that's right. I remember a couple years ago you came over. Anyway, uh, next week is uh, on March 13th, 2022. We watched Hot Shot. Right. Here's an. Oh, no, no. I'm skipping. I skipped a week. Let's Ma go back Mar a week. Six. March March 6th, we watched The Funny Farm from 1983. Yeah. The Funny Farm is the name of a club, comedy club in Los Angeles in the early 80s during the boom. And this young huckster plays his Carlin cassettes, drives to Los Angeles. Right. Starts dating and living with a waitress from The com uh, Funny Farm. In a week. In a week, week. He's in with the comics and everything. He's it's a little unrealistic. But it's a movie. Right. It's a movie shot in Canada. Carl, we have to say now, that. We're going to see a lot of films that were shot in Canada. They're called uh, Can exploitation, exploitation, because it's cheaper. It's cheaper yeah. to film in Canada, and people are doing it all the time. Now, this film, The Funny Farm, was based on what real club, Mike? Uh, is it the Comedy Store? Ah, could it be? Yeah. Now, uh, Elaine Brennan, what's her name? Mitzi Shore? Mitzi Shore, right? Elaine Brennan played the Mitzi Shore character. And she was great. She was definitely like the, yeah. the highlight of that movie. I think so. Yeah. She was in a different movie, honestly. Now, the director was more of a writer-producer. This was the only thing he directed. He wrote or produced History of the World Part One, The Silent Movie in 76, and Top Gun, Top Gun. Wow. Um, it was in Montreal, Quebec. It was filmed. Now, who were the comedians who we would know? Well, Howie Mandel for sure. Howie Mandel, yeah. Uh, With and hair. And uh, the glove handbag. Yeah, the handbag. And uh, Peter Aykroyd, the. Peter Aykroyd. Dinner. That's the reason why I, I heard of this film. Uh, the voice talent, right? Maurice. Uh, right. Yeah. He wasn't really famous to the world, but he was famous in Canada, and it was all about his impressions and voices. And then you had this guy, Mike McDonald. Remember, he was the one who went crazy? Yeah, that's right. He was like, uh, he had a little bit of fame at the time as well. And I think 
one of the best things about this film, you disagree. It was he, they, they invaded his privacy. They followed him home and learned where he lived. And then he faked his own death like it was a suicide, had a funeral, and laying in the casket, he comes to life and he's like, you fucking assholes, you don't ever invade <laughs> my privacy again. And you're like, what a jerk. Yeah, what a jerk. How much, he had, I mean, he had like some palms in City Hall. They pulled he that hired parents. He hired, yeah, hired parents. That was the best part. I don't know what to say about this film. I mean, if you like the green room and you think the green room is so exciting that it should be on the silver screen, then congratulations. You had a great time with the great comics. It's all right. He quits comedy. with us. Yeah. If you he see quits. it on your own, you really need to be like a comedian who's interested in a take that some film had on the comedy store. I would yeah. watch it with us rather than... There's been a lot of documentation. Of course, Paulie Shore had a reality show called Minding the Store where he took over from his mom. And then there was I'm Dying Up Here, right? Or uh, Showtime about that same time period. So you might as well go to the source and watch the 83 version right. with these comics. And he quits comedy and he drives off out away from L.A. He goes into a bar that has an open mic. He performs. He kills. Kills. This guy pats him on the back. He calls the waitress. Listen, I'm sorry I left you in the middle of the night. I'm coming back. Right. It was one day later. I quit. I quit. I quit. You know what? I've been thinking about it in the last 15 minutes, and I don't quit. I don't quit. All right. Well, that is the movie. So, yeah, watch it with us. March 13th was Hot Shot. That is the Pele hockey. Uh, hockey. It's in, in Europe, it's called it's hockey. hockey with a ball. Oh, is it like a hockey ball? So yeah. it is football, soccer. Mm -hmm. It is a, a young, uh, I don't know, this young white guy. Shot. He's a hotshot. He's a hotshot. This young white guy loves a guy named Melee. Not Pele, like Dele or Faile. Yeah. They have a different name for this guy. Santos. Santos. But Santos. why make it Santos? Why not make it Pele? That's what I never understood. That's he why you watch this poster. Pele. He had a Pele poster in his right. room. Yeah, right. which was taken out. One scene it was there, and the other scene it says Santo. Santos. Yeah. So this guy is a young, promising American soccer player who just doesn't have the knack. And he says, you know what? If I go find the mysterious Santos, maybe he could train me and I could use his powers. Right. For good. Well, he was a professional soccer player at Giant Stadium in, uh, in what is it, East Rutherford, Rutherford, New Jersey. East Rutherford, yeah. And he quit to go find him. Now... This director, uh, he wasn't very good. He made Kickboxer 3, The Art of War, Terminal Justice. I don't think this was a good film at all. Now, this film was released in 87, but the North American Soccer League that Pele was a part of had died, and we, we would soon go on to win the World Cup. So it was in this middle period in which soccer was not popular. It had a black eye. I'm not sure the timing of this film. Now, one of the things that you really liked in this film was the music, not the theme song. That was horrible, but yeah. it was William Orbit. Yeah, William Orbit, who produced Madonna and uh, came out with a bunch of albums. Well, yeah. he was a, his own guy. He was a pulsating electric score composed. I don't know. When we talked about it on the film, you we were like, William Orbit? No way! You had a lot to say. Oh, well, you know what? I'm familiar with him from the racks of CDs at my local record store when I searched oh. for the Orb at Orbital. I'm like, there's William Orbit. There's right William the Orbit again. 
English musician, 200 million recordings worldwide of his own work. Yeah. Uh, sold. Didn't make 200 million. He sold. Um, recipient of multiple Grammy Awards, etc. The Alarm had a song in this. They paid money for the Alarm's song. Is it Come On Down? I'd meet your make. No, that would have been major bumps. Yes. It was called Strength. And I recognize it when I hear it. Um, Pele, you mentioned Mario Van Peoples was in the film. That's right. He was a soccer player, which was impressive because I think all the actors were on the field, right? They didn't have stud players. Uh, no, there were. I don't know the answer, actually. There must uh, be some stud players. This is why one of the reasons why I say it was a very bad director. He did not handle very well the scenes on the field. It was just people running back and forth right. and back and forth. He didn't like, you know, like set it up like, okay, there's the goal and our hero's got the ball and he's dribbling down. He dodges this guy. He dodges, kicks, goal. He didn't do any of that stuff. Penelope no, Ann Miller, this was her first movie. That's right, Penelope Ann Miller. She did, she was good in that. This was nice to see a film where, hey, we are here at uh, East Rutherford. It's a beautiful day. I am yeah, the uh, voiceover sports down. announcer narrating the film. So, yeah, it's I don't know if you like to see Pele in a movie and who doesn't. Check it out. But, yeah, you might need help. All right, we're going to move forward. Uh, on March 20th, we discussed the Razzie nominations. Uh, right. Now, we're going to do that again this year, and I'm yep. going to become an Academy member and join the Academy the so I can vote. And yes. let's try to get your brother, Adam, who's also a voting member, onto yes. this show. Okay, and this was the first time I voted in, like, 10 years. to be full. And it was interesting because it had the notorious, infamous – Bruce Willis nomination where yeah. they took his, eight of his straight to video VOD movies and you had a pick. I actually watched all eight on the I list. was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So cosmic sin, which is, was available on Netflix at the time, which is this really bad space epic with the uh, Frank Rillo one. And I think because you didn't have to go to Redbox and rent the other seven, you had to do that for the other seven. I rented, went to Redbox. So the jokes on me, I paid for this and I mm -hmm. do love Bruce Willis and I wanted to see these films. I put down Deadlock. It was the only film where he played the bad guy in this movie, where he goes to a, a dam and threatens to unleash water on hometowns unless he gets revenge because a cop, a crooked cop did something to him. So he was okay. the villain and he sat at a desk and he says, okay, listen to my demands. All these films are basically extended TV shows where a criminal is has someone hostage and in real time it gets resolved. And the criminals, you know, this is the basis of these films. But he's the villain in this one. And he's talking about some crooked cop, and that's the reason. And he'll say, release the valve. And so the criminals move like a, a crank. And then they cut to actual footage of towns being flooded and people wow. being hurt. Oh. And that's because of Bruce Willis' revenge. It's nothing about Bruce Willis. This movie is really bad. And mm -hmm. I didn't appreciate that this villain, that they show the atrocity and the fact that Bruce had to do this shit. You know, I understand that he made these movies, but this one I thought was really, really bad, and it was definitely beneath him. So now that's tell the audience why he made so many films in one year. Well, I don't. I forget what he was diagnosed with. He they went publicly with it. He definitely has a, a situation where he can't really perform or, or function. Uh, His mind's deteriorating. I don't know what it is diagnosed as, yeah. but this was his last hurrah to to get a bunch of money for retirement. Right. 
And there's still movies in 22 that are coming out uh, with him, and they're available on Hulu, on Hoopla. They're very kind of buried, hidden, you know, on on Tubi originals. Uh, But yeah, at one point in his career, he started doing these direct-to-video films with 50 Cent, with like whoever, and it would always be available on VOD. And then in the last couple of years, there have been tons of them. He's been releasing like 12, and they'll be his face, but they're very formulaic, and there's a very assembly line procedure to them. And people were making fun of it. And, you know, when it came out that he, he was diagnosed with this, uh, they said, well, he's just trying to make a living. But, you know, yeah. again, I paid for it. So, you know, I did a bunch of paying, too, because I wasn't going to vote or I wasn't a voting member at the time. I wasn't going to recommend to you guys to vote unless I had seen it. So I had to see um, uh, Lady Gaga in uh the Gucci film. Yes, I, I had to pay money for a bunch yes. of stuff in order Evan to. Evan Hansen, dear Evan Hansen. What? Dear I Evan didn't... Hansen, dear Evan Hansen. Oh yeah, yeah. I had to friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I so I should say the Razzies pulled the they they announced the winner, Cosmic Sin. It, Bruce Willis's family announced he had this uh, situation. And then the Razzies rescinded the award and say, out of respect for Bruce Willis and his family, we are pulling this uh, award nomination, which, you know, I absolutely respect. It was definitely- Why? Why? Mike, this is the Razzies. They're, they're supposed punching, to they're, be- they're, kicking, they're punching down. They're punching down. They're punching down. All right. I guess, but I just think that if your shtick is- lambasting Hollywood and, but okay, but okay. Yeah. I understand no, why. It's very respectful. I say at 56 years Razzie's old. Razzie's reputation but, is that they've always been kind of coarse and crass and their choices is a little yeah. too far. So, you know, at this point they said, we've gone a little too far out of, you know, we're, we're going to rescind it. So anyway, that's the big yeah. controversy of the year, but out of all those films, do not see Deadlock. I do not like that film as, as a human being. I hate that film. Deadlock. Okay. All right. Moving forward to movies we saw this year. We, on March 27th, we watched Aladdin. Yes, yeah. Aladdin from 1986, the live-action film God Spencer. I am the genie in the love. He is the most uncharacteristic human being ever. He's a huge, at the time, he was a huge hit in Italy. And I think this was late in his career. He really looked like a just a lump. It was terrible. I love that movie. I love it. I recommend it. Oh, my God. He he was known, if you go to Tubi and you type in his name, you'll see him and his then partner, Terrence Hill, which we right. watched Mr. Billions, were a sensation. In 67, they had a trilogy called Trinity. They call me Trinity. I, they still call me Trinity. And it's basically him and, but you know, the, they would fuck around with the townspeople. It was great. Yeah. And he went solo, Bud Spencer, and... uh this movie's great. His well, I mean, he went it. solo, but the thing is, Terrence Hill's son was still in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, or was it the daughter? Maybe it was the daughter. daughter. It, was, it, was, it was Bud Spencer's daughter. Okay, this is a Globus Golan uh, production, Canon Films, who we've seen a bunch, and you mention Electric Boogaloo often. Yeah. And it, um, it was really, it's it was it, Italian. And we've seen this before, and we're going to see it again this year, like an Italian-American movie. Um, I just want to mention this guy, Julian Vulish. Remember the grandpa? Yeah, he was great. Now, he was Sam Roth in The Godfather 2. He was the brother of Hyman Roth. He was even uncredited, but 
then I would go back and see that scene and go, yeah, that's him. That's him. He's sitting right there. They should have given him lines. This is a horrible film to see on your own. It is so bad and so boring. This movie is so great, and you should watch it on your own. And no, really? Park, he sings it at the end. He gets on the piano. I am the genie. He is the genie. But then you're laughing at it. You're not laughing with him. There's a scene where he kills time by drinking, like, 12 beers. Yes. They, yeah, they have a drunk scene. Him and, um, and the grandpa are completely drunk. It's another wish fulfillment movie for children. All right, it's a piece of shit, but I, I think out of all of them. It okay, was... so you recommend to the audience that they should see it without us? Because, I don't know, Mike, is that so well, no, you should <laughs> always see it with us. Okay, well, you, yeah, should. you should see it with us, but you should definitely enjoy that movie. All right, let's, April. April runs around. Our first movie, April 3rd, 2022, Fantastic Four, from 1994, with yeah. special guest uh, from Film Threat, Chris Gore. Now, the reason he did our celebrity comedian countdown, the reason we spent so much time with him, unlike another countdown would be, is because he was there on the set during the filming, and we really got some inside information from him. And in 94, his magazine, Film Threat, was how I heard about Fantastic Four, and that was part of the story, is that they kind of exploited the magazine or whatever. The magazine had the first cover exclusive of this film. Now, this film was Fantastic Four, but it was really... Okay, there was an executive produced... Oh, by the way, we should mention this is Roger Corman, right? I mean, perfect, right? Um, Okay, there's a guy named Bernd Eicher, and he got the rights in 1986 to the Fantastic Four. Uh, He only paid a quarter million dollars for it. But it was scheduled to expire December 31 of 92, and he asked them for an extension. They said, no way, you have to be in production or you're losing these rights. So he went to Roger Corbin and said, look, I'll give you a million dollars. Can you quickly make Fantastic Four movie? And they did. Yeah, and then they never released it. And no, it, it only took 25 days. They were going to release it with a world premiere at the Miracle Mile in Minnesota, and they shut it down. The actors really wanted to do this. Nobody knew it wasn't ever going to be released, except maybe Robert, Robert Corman did. Yeah. No. He might you know, one thing I should mention, uh, Chris Gore posted a, his, the interview with us, and somebody mentioned in the comments, and he acknowledged it, he had some information that was actually different. So he had mentioned the Fantastic Four uh, Saturday morning cartoon didn't have right. Human Torch because of safety concerns. It concern. had the robot. So someone in the comments said it was a licensing issue. They weren't able to get the license for the Human Torch, so they had their own creation Strange. robot. Yeah, and he, you know, he said thank you for let, clarifying it. So I just want to let us, I just want to relay that information to our listeners. That's weird, right? You would think that the Fantastic Four licensing would come as a package, not each individual well, character. Human Torch was a character from 1939. It was like one of the original Marvel comics that was re, that they reused in the 60s. Wait, was it wasn't it a DC? No, it was uh, it was Marvel, Marvel was around back then. I didn't know that. I thought they were really a '60s creation. Back, back then, it's '39 <laughs> when Superman kicked it. I guess it was '39. Uh, they had Fireman and they had Aqua. Fireman. They had Namor, Submariner. So they had fire water fighting. That was the comic strip. The, you, I can't wait to read a comic book. Water is fighting fire this time. <laughs> now this was a big coup for us to have on our 
show. It was a big coup. So yeah, and I, I've actually followed all their media now. Now that we did that, and he, he introduced us to Steam Yard. So we said give a hi. Yeah, he introduced us to Steam Yard. He acted as if it was so much better than do- Zoom. It's the same. It's the same. Okay, but this film was a cult classic because it disappeared and then somebody had a copy that they put out on vhs and it sold like wildfire under the radar uh and people knew about the film from it it, it was like a uh a legend yeah and, this uh, it was you had really... like you had a vhs dub of a dub or you had a dvd yeah. that was a little suspect and someone posted on youtube we did this movie the first year of the show, this movie we watched, and then it disappeared from YouTube. And when it came back, we pounce, pounce on pounce. this. Now, what do you think? Should people see it without us? No, they should see it with us. Yeah. It, it was the greatest well, film. It was very low budget. The special effects were horrible. It's a good superhero movie because it has three acts. It, the third That's, act is satisfying. The it does its job. Are genuine. I don't think any of the three uh, uh, Fantastic Four movies that followed really kind of had a family. You know, it's just kind of four dull people. Yeah. In a room. Yeah. So it, it was, it was the best good. thing. It was the best thing costume yeah, of all the Fantastic Four movies. All time. So yeah, if you have a chance to watch it with us, it's, uh, you, people talk about this movie all the time, so it's our take. Next, people do not talk about our next movie from April no. In fact, I don't even want to talk about this movie. It's called King Frat from 1979, Carl. This movie was so bad that I only watched it one time because it was so filled with farting and poop. And it was, yeah, Gross Out was the name of the guy. Now, this was a ripoff of Animal House. There was, you know, we call it King Frat. It was really King fucking Frat, right? And they put the... Yeah. first word in those symbols like but it was also called delta house come on that's a ripoff no of that's the name of the delta. House. yeah they even had a sitcom called delta house and was yeah i don't have anything to say about this movie carl for the sake of time it's just gross okay. ass humor and uh it doesn't really don't work it. you can watch it with it. us watch it with us yes watch it with us was April 17th. Oh, man. Children of the Cord, the original from 1984. Wow, yeah. This movie really scared me as a kid, and I was so excited to see it. They say that it was written by Stephen King, but it wasn't. Uh, oh. he, well, he, I mean, no, he did a short story called Children of the Corn, and it had many of the key elements. And he was writing the script, and the first 35 minutes was this guy and his girlfriend arguing in the car. So they took it away from him and wrote it, you know, rewrote it. Um, I love this movie. I have never seen yeah. it before. Thanks to YouTube, I watched it. And the children, the child actors in this movie just chew the scenery. They give them carte blanche and they deliver. And my yeah. buddy Fraggle from Hard Bodies One is in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but the, there's like a child preacher. My God, there's no scenery left after he's done. It's just this fantastic performance. And they just trusted this, these children. And even the milk toast kids in the closet or whatever, they all give great performances. And yeah. then, then the Hamilton and the guy from 30 something, the little with the weird beard. Yeah, uh, Linda yeah. Hamilton and, right, the guy from, I, I don't have his name written here, but you know his face. Yeah, you know his face. So uh, This his, made 11 films. This one movie spawned 11 films. It was so successful. Yeah, probably the only Stephen King franchise like that. So 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed watching it and uh, it the was good. The director made Swamp Thing TV series. I don't know. Yeah. If you watch this film without us, that's perfectly fine. Watch sure it you with have. us. Yeah. Yeah. You probably already have, right? So uh, let's keep going. In April 24th, oh my God, it's running out of luck. The yeah. Mick Jagger full length movie directed by Julian Temple from 1985. Yeah. Now, this film. Okay, we love when rock stars make movies, but they're rarely good. And this is a good example of when it's rarely good. Now, this film was not made for the theater. It was made to go along with his solo album called She's the Boss. She's the Boss. See this with us, and you're going to love this film. See it without us, and you're going to be like, what am I watching? Ray, Don, Ray Don Chung gets her nipple licked by a prison warden. Like, straight mm -hmm. out, you see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So bust him out of jail. Uh, Dennis Hopper was in this film being an asshole as usual. Yeah, asshole director. Jerry Hall was in this film. And as herself. What I loved about Jerry Hall is she played a complete and total asshole. You know that, you know what I mean? Like, what a good sport to, right. or maybe she was having fun with it. She, she just played the worst wife ever. They Mick Jagger hated they portrayed their marriages. Fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> you know, the whole thing. My favorite scene is when he is, uh, he's stranded in Brazil. He's got yeah. no money. He doesn't have fame there. So he goes into that. He wants to use the telephone to call his agent to get help. And he doesn't have money for the phone. So he remember, he goes to the record bin and shows the proprietors, this is me, right? Yeah. And then to prove it to him, they put on the record and he starts dancing around. See, it's really thing. me. <laughs> well, they go, yeah, do you have a record player? Do you have a collection of vinyl? And they go, yeah, they're over there. And it's like all Julio Iglesias. Right. Julio yeah. Iglesias, Julio Iglesias. That was so funny. Julio Iglesias. That was the best part. And then it was, it I forget the name of the record. But it, also one thing interesting is Jim Broadbent, who was not a famous person in this film at this time. He was the guy who go on to do Time Bandits, Brazil, Superman 4, sure. The Crying Game, blah, blah. You know, go on in front of Harry Potter series. Um, he was at the end of it. So that was interesting. He's an interviewer. Um, yeah. I say don't see this without us. Yeah, I agree. This was a weird, like, think of media. It was supposed to be a video cassette that you would pay as a fan. To, to go along and it's a series of music videos but it's also a narrative story connected everything's connected yes. and it's gone to the ages it's just some fart rich rock star fart out in the wind so right. it's and not good. really did a I love Julian temple the director like i love the director and you can see some really great stuff in this but watch it with us watch it with us we watched with anthony quinn may 1st the 1973 version of Miracle on 34th Street. Yes, he was perfect. Not only was he our celebrity comedian countdown, but he had to be with it because he loved the original film. And of course, because of our show, that's not what we're watching. Yeah, and it was very charming to meet the king of where he showed up shirtless, so we took our shirts off as well. Right. And yeah. everyone just assumed we were naked. Why should you watch the next episode? Because of Anthony Quinn. Yeah. And we were naked. 
Now, this was a TV show, and therefore they had all the stars. We'll see another one later in the year that's a TV show, so they bring out all the stars. That was right. pretty cool about it. If you like heart to heart or something to something, that guy's in it. Well, okay. Uh, Sebastian Cabot, who was Mr. French on Family Affair, he was what Santa. Santa. Uh, Jane Alexander was Karen. You'd know her from The Great White Hope, All the President's Men, Kramer and Kramer, Kramer versus Kramer. David Hartman, who was the Good Morning America guy. Oh, my God. That's right. His few acting career. Yeah. He was an actor in that. Jim Bacchus was on this. Mr. Magoo. Uh, Gilligan's Island. Tom Bosley was the judge. That was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, David Doyle, who's Bosley in Charlie's Angels. That's who I'm thinking Mr. about. Mr. Macy. Yeah. Roddy yeah. McDowell, who we love. Yeah, he was. He worked in the store. It's a good episode. I would watch, watch the movie with our episode. And Anthony Quinn's a great guy. Yeah, he, he did a good job on it. We're going to move on. May 8th, 2020, we watched a movie called Kevin and Perry Go Large from 2000. This this decade this this millennium great film you can watch yeah. it without us. This is great one of my film. favorite films. And when YouTube pulled our video content, I thought that oh no, they're going to find the original video and pull that too. And, and they I didn't. would be they didn't for eight years. This film has been nestled in YouTube. Please watch it. It's just great, and it has it's it's basically I guess Harry Emsfield. I forget the guy's name, but. Yeah, Harry Enfield. He was Enfield. a big deal in England. Yeah, and this was a character from his show. And it's uh, Perry. It's there. He plays. He's obviously not a teenager. He's right. Very old, older guy. He plays a teenage Kevin. And uh, I don't know the name of the actress. Plays. You're ruining me life. Well, Harry Enfield himself played Kevin, and then a woman played a dude named Perry. Her name is Kathy Burke. Oh my God! She's, she's great. English. If you knew French and Saunders, if you knew Absolutely Fabulous, she was a big deal in England. On they TV. nail adolescence. It's yes. like if you're a fan of Pen Fifteen or whatever, you you see what they're doing, and but they're much older than say Pen Fifteen, and it's just really funny. And they go to Ibiza, and yeah. they want to be DJs, and uh, it's and all they, techno. We bump into Eyeball Paul. Who is a really good actor? Uh, his name guys. is I can't say it. Rice Ifen, right from Super Furry Animals, right? Wasn't he in the band? Right. It, yeah, he's Welsh, which makes a perfect accent for we'll me. We'll have more Welsh later in the show. He was in the rock bands The Perth and Super Furry Animals, who yeah, were a big deal at the time. And you've seen him in Notting Hill. Um, you've seen him in the Harry Potter and the Deathly. Hollows. He was the lizard in Spider-Man in 2012. That's right. Yes, that's right. The yeah. only other curio in this is the woman in Breaking Bad, uh, Lydia, was, her name's Laura Frazier. She's a Star Trek connection for us. She played Candace, and it was just neat to see her because I knew her from Breaking Bad, right, and here sure. she was all young. Yeah, and it's, it's it's a rave comedy, and it's it's a classic. The music's spot on, the comedy's spot on, and there's see of course it with us, but if you see it without you us. Yeah, if you see it without us, you can hear the music. So yeah. I definitely recommend that. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, May fifteenth. We watched a film from nineteen seventy one called The Christian Licorice Store. Right, Christian Licorice Store. I'm sorry, I mumble sometimes. 
Christian Licorice Store, and that had nothing to do with the plot at all. Now, there was a song in it that said Licorice Store, and it said Christian. I don't know. I don't know how they arrived at this title. This was a horrible film. The film started really good, and then it said, nah, we don't want to do any more plot. And it just turned into Bo Bridges as a tennis player brooding over his life and, and sort of like leaving his girlfriend. By ignoring I, her. I hate this film. This film nearly wrecked our podcast. We watched a <laughs> film that we never broadcast because it was so bad. This one we broadcast. It's just terrible. I, I have nothing really. I mean, it's interesting. The director does a lot of tricks. Right. Does a lot of tricks. The characters themselves go to a, a screening of their own movie. And right. They walk out before they see what that they die in a, in a car crash, you know, which we see prior to that. And he he dies in a car crash, and at the end, the ex-girlfriend turns on TV, and there's that stupid fucking commercial that he sold his soul for. Yeah. And I don't know. We came to blows at this film, and I... I, I we did? It. Yeah, we did, because I was talking over... I misfortunately watched this movie beforehand, uh-huh. and when one of the direct... A real-life director was talking, I had an opinion that this is bullshit. You had an opinion about something, and I talked over you, and it was like... It was my bad, and I apologize. Oh, you like, oh yeah, I think you stepped on my punch and I had a little hissy fit. And no, then on the- hissy fit, I stepped on your punch. Well, I edited it out of- Yeah. Listen, so not- we're a good husband and wife, okay? We yeah. rarely fight. Yeah, we, we rarely fight. fight this movie, this and I movie, buried it. I hate this movie. Okay. Okay, well, wait, wait, wait. You might hate this movie, but this director did half of the monkeys, 58 episodes. You love the monkeys. Of course, this was before that. I only like half the episodes of the monkeys, though. What? I only like half the episodes of the monkeys, though. (laughs) No, do you remember the party scene with all the famous people? That was a big deal. Alan Arbus of MASH. I'll stop trying to say it's, yeah, this film's no good. Okay. All right. Thank you, Carl. Well, we made up, and I really appreciated next week's movie, which aired on May 22nd. Yeah. It's a delightful really? film called Drive-In Massacre from 1970. <laughs> do not oh. see this film without us, folks. It is horrible. Listen, and do not see this movie in a drive-in. Oh, because no. And no. the killer's still at large, and they say on the screen, he could be in this very drive-in. Now, Buck Flower was a highlight of this film. Uh, not because of what he did in the film, but who he is. And his it was filmed, it was shot in four days. They were like, <laughs> let's do this thing. What else is there to say? Uh, the, the guy who was the lead detective, I flipped away my piece of paper. I'm sorry about that. No, was no like the best friend forever of Buck Flower. And they've written, they wrote so many films together. You remember Buck Flower's daughter was in it? Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she worked there too, I think. Like it was basically there was a drive-in and there was a killer who was killing people at the drive-in and they at the end the killer gets away and they warn you he could be at this very drive-in. Yes. Yeah. Now, remember we were looking at the prices for hamburger a dollar 50. <laughs> it was great. Oh, so five cent sodas. Yeah. Oh man, you could eat in your car and watch a movie at the same time. This is definitely a fun film to watch if you're watching it with us. If yeah, you're watching absolutely. it on your own, you won't get through it. It's You won't get through it. it yeah. But, you know, you wait till the ending. It's a good payoff. You have to sit through the whole movie. Our next remember film- the, the, the guy who ran the movie theater was such a jerk. 
He was great. Yeah, he was a dirtbag for sure. Yeah. He was he was very funny. And he then got, the guy who Go ahead. No, didn't he get his come up in that film? Well, he got murdered, if that's yeah. what you mean. That's what I mean. And, <laughs> he got and uh the guy who was like the dopey remember he got fired, he was like the helper, he was I mean, when you're watching with us, we really riff on some stuff. Yeah, but um, don't see this on your room. And we should mention that, again, these movies are on YouTube as well. And it's listed by title. So if you go to our YouTube channel, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, Carl has synced the podcast to the movies. And you can watch the podcast with the movies synced That's up. the way to see it. Because you'll yeah, see but, the film. Yeah. Or if you want to do it old school, this is the list for you. We're going to move on. On uh, May 29th, we had aired Wonderwall from 1969. Unfortunately, the the version that aired was, the audio was miserable, and we rebroadcast it later in the year. But right. it was available on the YouTube. Really interesting film. This Wonderwall uh, was basically the first, the soundtrack was the like the first Beatles, Beatles solo record, because this was George Harrison's effort to do all sorts of music from India. Yeah, and it was it was probably known for the music uh, connected to him, and then of course Oasis, uh, who was all things Beatles, had a song called Wonderwall. Yes, it, but I want to criticize Oasis because they're not all things Beatles because this jerk never saw the movie, and yeah, so his song Wonderwall has nothing to do with the movie. That's a dummy. Yeah, the movie itself, it's an absent-minded professor who right. next door, his flat next door is a swing 60s model studio where yeah, it's a photography photography studio. studio and he has a hole in the wall and when he looks at it he falls in love with the woman modeling and this wall is a wonder it's a wonder wall and he well, punches for holes it's that lifestyle see he represents straight and the hippies were on the other side of the wall so it was the wonder wall he made multiple holes so Look, the whole time I was trying to say, oh, he's not creeping on a girl. But then I saw it with my son, who's a huge George Fer Harrison fan. He's like, he's creeping on that girl. And you, okay. you're you right. He was creeping on the girl. He was creeping I, on it. But and I was like, trying to defend it because he didn't do anything sexual about it. He fell in love with her in like a, a love way, not a sex way. And he was experiencing the hippies. Right. And then ultimately she gets in peril. I think she takes pills or she's sick. Tries to commit suicide. She tries to commit suicide. So he goes and saves her, White Knights, you know, yes. and then he disappears. She doesn't you remember how him. slow he went to save her. He was thinking about it, thinking about it. It's an interesting, um, interesting actor. I mean, it was an interesting performance. You know, he was definitely slower silent movie types throughout this film. Yeah, he did a good job. And um, he, uh, okay. The only reason George Harrison got this part was because the Bee Gees became unavailable. They were going to do the music for it. Interesting. Uh, he spent 1,500 pounds, 15,000 pounds of his own money, George Harrison. That's how much he believed in this. Um, Eric Clapton was in, was doing, there was a rock band portion and an Indian music portion. Eric Clapton and Ringo Starr were part of the, uh, it's called the Rome, Remio Four. Peter Tork of the Monkees played Paul McCartney's banjo in it. And huh. I don't have it written down, but do you remember that really interesting pop artist people? They were from like Sweden or something. They did 
they they made John Lennon's Rolls Royce. They they were like behind the art direction. Yeah, and the art is cool. Like the wall itself gets yeah. painted and like bricks decayed. Interesting film. I don't it know. Really was creeper. Next film is uh was we're now in May uh six is June. June. Yeah, fifth. And we still have forty minutes, Carl. We're doing good. We're doing yeah. good. Uh, it's high bowling. We watched it on June fifth, nineteen seventy eight. Hi, I'm Jerry Reed. I got a great new movie. If you like trucking, and I know you do, then we'll be high bowling. Yeah, me and Peter Fonda, Fonda plays Rain. Rain. Yeah. That's right. Now, of course, uh, if it's a trucker movie, you've got to have Jerry Reed. And Jerry Reed and Dick Feller did the soundtrack. Jerry Reed, of course, sang it. Um, he was he was Iron Duke, was his nickname. It was his fourth feature-length film. Peter Peter Fonda was in it, but what I liked about it, he, he wasn't playing his usual wooden Indian acting. He was really emoting in this film. Yeah, that's true. He was a live wire. I guess he wasn't on drugs or something because he did a good job. <laughs> a lot of good stunts in this movie. They're on, like, uh, you know those trucks that carry other cars? They're, like, on there and tossing cars at the bad guys yeah remember they had the dynamite he was pushing yeah. the car off with dynamite in it listen don't see this film without us it's not yeah. that good oh and also it's another one of those canadian films pretending to be the midwest i think they give up halfway through they're just like fuck it we're in the middle of canadian woods deal with it you see Canadian road signs and Canadian cops. They yeah. just don't, but they pretend that it's America the whole time. And I, I like the the lady truck driver in this. Yeah, movie. I didn't write down her name. She was like, good. She was good. Yeah, and she's in lingerie, and it's also in that trailer. So you get you get to hear Jerry Reed narrate her original trailer, and you get to see her in lingerie. If you saw this film without us, like only watch her part, she was pretty good. Yeah, she, pretty she did a good job. But um, it had a horrible ending. It uh, there was that real power hungry jerk guy who was the bad guy. Uh, he like the bad guy was supposed to be his boss, and then he was like, "Step aside, boss. Yeah, I'm owning right. this movie." It had to do with like getting jobs. I don't know. I don't know. It's good. It's good. But you should watch it with us for sure. Our next movie coming up, Carl, was on June 12th from 1986. It's Bad Guys. Bad Guys. Now, this was a wrestling film. Yeah. Wrestling film. Okay. Josh Wells did our Celebrity Comedian Countdown because he loves wrestling because he loved it as a kid. And so he he knows it's stupid and dumb, and he knows it's fake. He doesn't care. He's watching entertainment. So I had to bring him back for a second Comedian Countdown because this was perfect for him. It definitely 80s wrestling. It's the Sergeant Slaughter school. Sergeant Slaughter shows up. These guys, they're like goofballs who cops. yeah, but they they they're loose cannons, so they moonlight as wrestlers. And yeah. it's I don't know if you're into 80s wrestling, then God bless. This is Ruth Buzzy. Ruth Buzzy. Yeah, one of the, the first time she shows up on her uh, year movies. Yeah, it, this was good to watch with us. It's not yeah. a good film on its own, but if you're a wrestling fan, you should watch it on your own just to see their take, Sergeant, how they got trained. Sergeant Scott yeah. shows up. Yeah, it's yeah. Adam Baldwin, who you know from DC Cab, Full Metal Jacket, Predator Two, The Patriot. I don't know. 
Yeah, he's also known as Twitter, kind of a, a conservative poster. You know, it's funny, like we look at a person and we look at his whole life. I'm sure that's him today, but in this film, who knows what he was like? You know what I mean? He was a young yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're all young in this movie, too. So he's just, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, that's that's the bad guys. Sergeant Slaughter, watch it with us. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Okay, now comes the greatest part of our year in review. H.B. Halicki is a film yep. director. We got Ooh. three films of his. Maybe we should do them all together. Three and a half, technically. Yeah, really let's start. Yeah. So we began this on June 19th, if you find it. It's Gone with 60 Seconds from 1974. Yeah, we did uh, Gone in 60 Seconds and then The Junk Man on June 26th and Deadline on 03 from the third. Now, okay, this film was written and directed by H.B. Halicki, who was a badass. He was he did all his own stunts. He he was born in Dunkirk, New York. He moved to L.A. and had like a home, uh, like a wrecking. What would you call it? There was a junkyard. Yeah, he would do all the tow trucks. Wrecking crew, I guess. He got yeah, a contract with the police, so he knew everybody. He was politically connected. He was a car collector and he had this elaborate collection of, of old cop cars from various counties, yeah. fire trucks, uh, the slicer, all these crazy cars. And he put them on the screen. Okay, but he didn't have the slicer. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Okay, he destroyed and wrecked. This was an independent film. When it says produced, it's produced by H.B. Halicki, like Auto Wrecking and Junkyard. That's the name of the production company. He destroyed, okay, there's the 40-minute car chase, which was why this film was successful and famous. He destroyed 93 cars in a 40-minute, right? You start at minute one, and it's a car chase, 40 minutes worth of it. 93 cars would be destroyed, 127. They're all his own cars. He owned all the cars. Uh, he spent $150,000 on this mil film, and he made 40 million love it and you'll see like the cops are chasing him and they'll say like miami new york it doesn't matter it's whatever is his collection they brought it out and there are scenes with other drivers like there's yes. comic relief there's there's pedestrians who nearly get mowed down there is a horrifying stunt that injured him which he yes. milks like he just used the footage in slow motion and back like right. he, you know if he knew that's where it goes it's a great movie. I love this film. I think to, it's just fun to watch. There's nothing like it. And he, he hurt his spine in that scene. Yeah. And he had walked with a limp for the rest of his life, which was not very long. And he, uh, I don't know, he was just a badass to do all his own stuff. And all that money that he made led to um, the next film he did, which was like six years later or something, in which yeah, he had that collection. He spent all that money on the collectible toys. And I should mention the second film we're talking about is The Junk Man. He not only, like, the end credits are car decals. Like, you know how when people laminate cars or whatever? That is the style of it. It's so car culture. And the beginning, it says wrecking, you know, H.P. Halicki's wrecking yeah. production. And it's very, like, bespoke. It's very fancy, uh, nuanced. And the film itself is a meta take. It's the director of a film called Gone in 60 Seconds. Right. And he's in trouble, and then there's a car chase. Well, they're trying to kill him. Uh, so, yeah, the film is 
him as the director of his original Gone in 60 Seconds. And he has a wife who passes away. It took two years to make this film. He only spent a million dollars on it. He was almost killed several times, seriously, in accidents. Yeah. Do you remember the plane crash? Yeah. Yeah. All these film all these scenes in which people almost die, he left in the film, of course, you know. That's why he's such a badass. And Hoyt Axton shows up, a good friend of H.P. Halicki's in this. Remember, he's the folk singer who did uh Jeremiah was a yeah, sure, no, boy to the world. Yeah, and it's there's merchandising, there's t-shirts that say gone in 60 seconds, there's pennants, there's like so it's a very interesting film. I, I liked it. Uh, and then two years later, he made another film called What a Great Title, Deadline Auto Theft. Yeah. Now you would think, like, wow, all right, Maestro, bring on your third original yep, your movie. Third kill it, but no. No. So the first 20 minutes is original. It kind of combines both movies. Yeah, what he did was he took um, Hoyt Axton and cut him out of the... Okay, it was it was scenes from Gone in 60 Seconds and and The Junk Man. But the beginning was there was there's about 30 minutes of original stuff in there. And Hoyt is a uh Los Angeles police chief who's on, you know, out to get H.B. Halicki, uh the, the car thief. And I don't know, it's not worth seeing if you've seen the other two. He H.B. Halicki said to himself, I don't like Gone in 60 seconds. I'm going to redo it. That's what he I did. I don't think he should have. It's an interesting ripoff because there's original material. It kind of streamlines the two realities into one. And yes. then it's the original movie unedited at the remaining runtime. So the movie is basically the first movie with new footage added. Right. Yeah. Right. And we should mention in 1986, he was going to make a sequel to Gone in 60 seconds to... Uh, where he unfortunately died in one of the stunts. Yeah, do you want to go there? Yeah, let's, uh, that let's, was our let's... live show on October 9. Just and happened, buddy. Yeah, that was um, his wife. His wife really made that happen because yeah. he had died. Um, Gone in 60 Seconds, you know, is the Nicolas Cage movie. You see, he married this woman. Um, her name is Denise. I can't say her last name, Shakarin. So it was Denise Shakarin Halicki. In 2000, is that right? Do I have the year right? Maybe it's 2003, yeah. maybe. Okay. She, she was like an executive producer. They remade Gone in 60 Seconds. They really didn't, except for calling the cars Eleanor or whatever. It really was its own film. But at the same time, it made everybody know the original film. You can watch the original Gone in 60 Seconds without us and enjoy it. It's better with us, but you can do it because it's oh, yeah. such a great car chase scene. She, okay, there was a water tower in New York that he wanted to topple over. And the town said, you can't do it. It's dangerous. We're not giving you a permit. And H.B. Halicki was like, fuck you. I'm doing it anyway. And that water tower fell on him and he died then in 2003 armed with the money from gone in 60 seconds 2000 the wife filmed the second thing hp halicki was going to do which was the slicer the slicer is this sick ass yellow sports car 
which looks like it could slice through cars the way it kind of slopes down in front. It looks like a a, a cow catcher, and it does. Yeah. It goes and like flips over parked cars one after another. Yeah. And it drives through the town, and children look at it and go, "Slicer!" Slicer. Yeah. Love so it. it's like a pyramid. And like you said, it's a cow catcher. So it goes under the car and then the car, essentially it acts as a ramp. Yeah. And the cars all flip. I love it. So we watched that in October and we'll, we'll talk about that later. But so that, those is, that is the career of HB Halicki, uh, which we, we explored this year and I'm glad we did. Yeah, me too. We and took a break from carnage car. See what I did there? On July 10th, we watched a period piece called Mesmerize from 1986 with Jodie Foster and John Lithgow. Right. New Zealand, Australian shot. Uh, oh, I forgot it's to mention, King Frat was a big hit in Australia. That was the only place it was like a big hit. Uh, Let's not mention King Frat. Okay, just made me remember. So this was, there was something called the Pimlico Mystery, in which a wife allegedly poisoned her husband with chloroform. But the thing is, there was no damage to the windpipe, you know, if he was drinking. So therefore she got acquitted because there wasn't enough evidence to prove that she did it. They they completely went away. That was like in England and London in 1800, something like that. They They just took the concept of chloroform and they made it, what was it, Mike? She was a orphan who he came and married right right she had a love but he never she never received letters from him was it a brother or okay yeah so there was the brother whose name was george dan shore we saw him in solar crisis for our and we saw him in ghoulies three ghoulies go to college um and also do you remember the dad he was he was in anyway we would go on to see him again in another film maybe i shouldn't have raised it this film was very flat jodie foster you know what a great actress she is but she hardly emoted at all maybe that's supposed to be part of her character yeah that was was okay it was definitely a decent performance but yeah yeah that was okay yeah all right, let's uh, let's keep going. Michael Winter, director Michael Winter, uh, from uh, our comedy we saw earlier this year. Yeah, which was the uh, English comedy which we just talked you about. Joke, you must be joking. You must be joking. Yeah, which okay. he would go yeah. on years later to make Death Wish, and then the same year or around the same time, he made The Stone Killer. Right, with Charles Manson. No. Uh, Manson, no, I say Bronson, Bronson, which is close to Manson. All right, it's Bronson, it's Bronson, you punk. So basically, uh, this is a good, gritty New York City uh, crime drama with the city being grimy and uh, right now. It's also in LA, too. It was a New York cop who got kicked out of there because he shot a kid, they relocated him to LA. Here's the comment I wrote, Carl. Do not remember. Oh, okay. Um, this was the third of six films that Charles Bronson would make with director Michael Winner. And uh, they made Chattel's Land, The Mechanic. And then they made this film, and next year would come Death Wish. Okay, which, of course, would be Death Wish 2 and 3. 
Yeah. This film had John uh, John Ritter as the cop, Hart, as the patrolman, John Ritter. Yeah, yeah. It had Norman Fell as like the, the police commissioner kind of guy. You're out of control, stone killer. Well, stone killers were like professional hitmen who were not in the mob, who were... Um, they killed with no conscience. And one more time, this is one of those films that's both Italy and America. It was an yeah. Italian actors. That's right. And um, we'll, we'll see another film with, uh, that's another American-Italian film. Yes, it, yeah. the last film we see this year. You really don't remember it? Um, I thought it was a good, serviceable action film. And I do remember John Ritter was good. He was over his head. And Bronson was good. It wasn't like an obnoxious Bronson film. Right. You know, it wasn't so, like... A, right. He he played a gumshoe kind of guy, low-key, and his heart was in the right place. But he was also a badass. And I've yeah. never mentioned that John Ritter's father was Tex Ritter. I think that's very interesting. Tex uh, Ritter. Then I woke up. Freak <laughs> the albinos. Uh, no, the singing cowboy. Um, you know, he's a country music star. Yeah. I was quoting a National Lampoon oh. uh, this thing, the hillbillies. And then they're listing famous hillbillies and the narrator goes, Tex Ritter. Tex Ritter? Next week, the albinos. <laughs> so that's that I'm quoting. I'm quoting the National Lampoon. All right. Uh, Carl, if you saw this film without us, it would be okay, but it's better to see it with us. It's better to see it with us. I, I think if you're a fan of the Bronson, you probably have already seen it. Uh, we're going to move on. Next week, on July 24th, 2022, we watched an Abbott and Costello film from 1946 called The Time of Their Lives. This was a switcheroo. I did the research on it. Right. This was one of two films where they weren't getting along at the time, and they're not together on every screen. They're not partners. Uh, Lou and uh, another woman are ghosts. Ghosts. Yeah. So this is another uh, Revolutionary War American history thing where... They get mistaken for uh, traitors, and not only do they get killed as traitors, but they're cursed to never leave the traitor's land uh, estate until they are deemed not traitors. And then we right. cut to the present time, and Bud's uh, Bud's ancestor and his buddies have taken over the house and recreated it. The house burned down, but they rebuilt it, and they got all the original stuff, and the ghosts try to communicate uh with uh, like Lou and the lady try to communicate with them to say we are not traitors and right. find the evidence and they free the ghosts. Right. And, and they get the movie. There was a hilarious scene in which she was getting horny. Uh, and of course, Lou is like, not interested. <laughs> not in Classic. He's a, he always gets women thrown at him and he's like, oh, I can't. Yeah. Oh, like, little boy. <laughs> you know, they get frustrated with him. Ugh. Yeah, I like this movie. Uh, this is the first time they have a longtime director, of course, who directed uh, Abner Costello meets Frankenstein, the classic. And this was the first time the director worked with them. It's efficient. They didn't like each other at the time. Yeah. You know, to the point where they weren't really in it. But they were good together. And uh, it was a nice twist. I actually liked it. And Bud, you know, I had mentioned he wrote that it's one of his favorite films because he's the heel. He, right. You know, he doesn't slap uh, Lou in this movie. And basically, Lou shits on him during this film, rightfully. And uh, so it, it's it's good. It's a nice take. And it's it's interesting if you want to break from their movies. This is a really funny film. 
You can uh, see it without us. See it yeah. with us. But if you saw yeah. it without us, you'd be laughing. And like I, when he goes through the door, you think he's going to go through as a ghost. And he, he goes to do it. And he opens the door and walks through. He walks through. Yeah, because you know he's going to hit himself. But he's like, not this time. I'm not going to do it. All right. I like that movie a lot. Modesty Blaze was our next film. We watched that on July 31st. And that is from 1966, based yes. on the British cartoon comic strip. Right. This is another one of those things like we saw Barry, Barry goes to America. What was it? The Australian. Oh, the it was uh, a comic strip. Yeah. Barry what? That was a comic strip, that movie? The Barry Yeah, Kimsey? yeah. That was the whole thing about Barry it. McKenzie. Barry McKenzie. Barry McKenzie. That's right. Takes on America or something like that. No, England. Yeah. But this was another one of those ones that was based on a cartoon uh and it was it did not originally the guy who wrote the cartoon strip was one of the writers, but they kicked him out and they it wasn't like the um uh cartoon at all. It was very different, you know. Yeah, and wasn't there something it was interesting because the screenwriter adapted it into a novel prior to the release or during yes. the release? Yeah. That's right. The 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 um the author made it into a novel before the movie came out. And the director is really interesting too because he's one of those House on American Committees guys who got kicked out of the country. He made this film in England where he did most of his films after. I mean, he was uh, he worked with Bertolt Brecht. He visited the Soviet Union often. Um he basically got run out of town. And uh, he didn't mind, he didn't mind at all. Now, the woman who plays this, she's Italian and she, this was her first Ameri uh, English speaking role. She was not dressed up like she was in the cartoon. Um, that's right. And the cartoon appears in the movie, the sketches of her. Yes, that's right. It was sort of meta as it yeah. were, because the co the comic book is, uh, the, the, the uh, newspaper, is on the table. Also, General Zod from Superman was the Aaron Sam. Yeah, he was yeah. the co-star. Now, in the comic book or comic strip, they would never fall in love. There would never be anything like that. And this was one of those films that this this you know this is one of the things that strayed from the comic book. Do you remember? There's this really weird, out of place musical number in the middle of it. Yeah, I do. The movie is too long. That's my, in my notes. It's really? it, it's close to two hours and it's overstuffed. And I do remember the musical number. Uh, Carl, before I forget, John Travolta's character in Pulp Fiction was reading the novel. Yeah. Uh, Blaze when he got shot by Bruce Willis in the toilet. Right. Yeah. It was Quentin Tarantino's idea that he was going to uh, direct an adaptation in the late 1990s, but he didn't do it. Didn't get and, yeah, like you said, he paid homage to it. Yeah. In the, um, Clive Ravel, who's not the greatest actor in the world, he was the father, and he we would go on to see him another in a. You remember, he was like an Arabic father, and she, she was the adopted daughter. We'd go on to see him in other films. Uh, okay, Terrence Stamp, who was General Zod, he turned down Alfie to do this. <laughs> he would have been and, a great Alfie. He was the roommate at the time with Michael Caine, who then would do Alfie, and Alfie. that's how Michael Caine got famous, Alfie. 
There was a sequel to Alfie called Alfie Again, not starring Michael Caine. Isn't that weird? Yeah, probably yeah, that's weird. But that's why I don't know it. But also, it was remade with the Russell Brand, of course. But that, that's not the one I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Wait, do, no, there no, was no. That was Arthur. Yeah, it was. Um, What's his name? Jude Law. Yeah, Judd Law. Right. Judd Law. Right. Yeah, he was Alfie, and that yeah. movie was not a hit. No. Uh, all right. Well, that's Modesty Blaze, which, uh, what a don't see it alone. Don't see it alone. In August 7th, we watched They Might Be Giants, not the, the musical band, but the movie right. that they got the title from from 1971. This was a switcheroo. I did the research for this film. Yes, it is, um, George Patton himself. No, George C. Scott, George C. Scott, right? George C. As Scott and Joan Woodward. Yeah, he, this guy thinks he's Sherlock Holmes. He gets a, a therapist assigned to him. Therapist kind of believes what he says, and they go on a very shambolic. It's more Don Quixote than Sherlock Holmes. This film. Yep. They yep. go on a. Uh, they chase their own tail throughout New York City, which is lovely. They even go to a pathmark in New York City, lovely. And ultimately, they're in Central Park, assuming Moriarty is approaching them. Right. Yeah the film stops there it's right. based on a play it's a very kind of hybrid film i thought it was a snooze she was a very unprofessional she was very unprofessional but thinks she falls in love with them um she's great in this movie you know she has this shitty new york city apartment that she's trying to cook a romantic dinner and everything yeah. that could go wrong could go wrong because she has all the flames on she has the kettle on the entire time i don't get it but uh she's good in this movie he's He's pompous in this film. Right. Great supporting actors in this, some character Henry actors. Abraham. Yeah. Oh, that guy from the TV commercials who's in the basement. You know, there's like... Grandpa Al Mus Munster. Oh, Louis Zorich, the husband yes. of Olympia Dukakis, has a small, not speaking role, him and M.M. and Walsh just kind of smile as these garbage right. collectors. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Forgettable. Yeah, I don't know. Don't see it alone. Don't see it alone. That's a great way. August 14th, Carl and I had the honor to watch Bob Hope's last movie, albeit yeah. a TV movie from 1986, Masterpiece of Murder. It was a TV movie, and that's why they brought all the stars out. And one of the greatest things about it is we saw circa 1986 TV commercials. That was left in on the YouTube uh, video. Yeah, and they were great. They weren't as noxious when we saw the... Um, that Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Lonnie right, movie, yeah. where in 1980, it was always like, the Democrats are wiping your ass with your freedom, vote Reagan. <laughs> you know, it wasn't as obnoxious as that, but the 86 commercials were great. This is like a rat-a-tat-tat, -tat, him reading jokes off of cue cards. Him and Don Amici were adversaries for decades. You know, one's a cop, one's a criminal. Cat burglar and, they, and a cop. Yeah, and they get roped into like this guy who's also a buddy of theirs, rope them into one final caper and you know it's um one TV, rich TV. tv you know one has the upper life the other one is circling betting forms you know <laughs> yeah yeah and so, one has a nice um, car and one doesn't the, okay the, the director did uh more episodes of mash than anyone else the writer also wrote the man with bogart's face that we saw um yeah. The other writer became a famous Doctor Who writer, and he didn't even want that. It's another one that was filmed in Canada because it was cheaper. Um, 
It's his only LA, major LA team. hotspots, you know, here and there. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So Don Amici, you mentioned also was um Kevin McCarthy, who I loved in Ghoulies Go to College, Ghoulies Three, which we saw. Jane Meadows, Steve uh, Allen's wife. Claudia Christian, who we saw in, in Never on a Tuesday. Never on a Tuesday. Film. Uh, Lily Munster had a cameo. Uh, the woman from Forbidden Planet was in it. Frank Gorshin, the Riddler, that was pretty yeah, good. Another one. Yeah, he was good in that. He was older. Who we've seen in Hail Caesar. We saw in Skidoo. Uh, he's a familiar friend of our show. Uh, Clive Ravel came back, who we just saw in Modesty Blaze. That's right. The Mighty Professor so. Woman. I mean, it's all the stars. The little Abner guy. Yeah, um, right. So you're just basically watching Bob Hope, you know, and there's footage of him, you know, slipping. But this this one was... And Jamie cool. Farr does a private. Jamie he, plays, Farr. he does a private. He plays himself and he, he goes to a private party and he... As a comedian. Yeah, he... He works the crowd. The only other thing I want to mention is we got to see the news ads coming up at 11, you know, with Chuck Scarborough. Chuck Scarborough. Yeah, right. So it was definitely a New York City tri-state area uh, recording. But it was Muammar Gaddafi, Libya crisis. And we saw Christine McAuliffe, who would die a couple days later in the Challenger. It was all about her getting ready for the Challenger. And former President Richard Nixon had the flu and was in a Miami Beach hotel. I would recommend seeing this without us just as much as seeing it with us. Everybody thinks that Bob Hope did a bad job. He did the exact same job he did in every movie. I'm watching Bob Hope movies on, on Amazon Prime and on Hulu and on Tubi, and, and his films were dull. Like, I'm watching one on Hoopla right now called I'll Take Sweden, where this girl falls, his daughter falls in love with Frankie Avalon, so he moves to Sweden. But Sweden's even more, you know, beating it crazy. And he's uh -huh. just dull. He just stands there in a suit. So this movie, at least he tries. You know, he's yeah. in the NBC TV specials mode, and he's fine. Like it's 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 one of the more livelier Bob Hope movies, later Bob Hope movies. So now, Mike, in the interest of time, I suggest we skip over the next four. We should mention what they are, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so we, you know, it was a summer. We've aired an old episode, Buana Devil. It's a 3D movie of. An it was Africa. another uh, time in which the Mutiny Radio feed had a bad audio. So really, we yes, we it. wanted to play it on August 28th. We rebroadcast Wonderwall with the CRISPR version. Yes. We watched for the third time on September 4th, Surf 2. Great film. Great yeah, film. movie is the reason why the podcast exists. I've been looking for a copy of this film since the 80s when I saw it. My and present from Michael. Yeah, Vinegar Syndrome finally re-released this with the director's cut, which I've watched several times. Yes. Directors on it. I listened to the Eddie Deason commentary from last year. There's a Who is a weirdo in real life. Yeah, I mean, this is during his acquisitions they got him. And also the theatrical cut version where they add these women showing their boobs and their butts and uh, also like archival stuff, sizzle reel. Yeah, it's great. You know what? It's like finally available, uh, even in an unlimited case. So I'm glad we got it. Uh, I'm glad you got that. Thanks, Carl. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then we rewatched on September 11th. Never forget, they're playing with fire. Yeah, fun. Kind of, it's one of our biggest watched movies on, on YouTube. And yeah, thought, let's see what happens if we do it again. And we got 
a thousand views already, two thousand views. Uh, and then okay, so then we went back to our our uh, weekly new movies. On September eighteenth, we watched. Oh my god, what is the full title of this movie? Body Chemistry 2, The Voice of a Stranger, 1991, horrible film. It was a Roger Corman film, Concord, New Horizons, you know. Yeah, directed by... Adam Simon. Yes, Adam Simon from The Player. He is a film director that we had watched two other movies. Uh, we like Brain Dead. We like Brain Dead, and we, we hate not Carnivore. Carnosaur. Carnosaur, yes, of course, because they're, they're dinosaurs. And this movie is kind of playing off the uh, sliver, basic instinct. Uh, yeah, fatal attraction. Fatal attraction, sex uh, uh, drama movie. And this is a total ripoff from Corman, from the director of Carnosaur. It's one of his better. I like this movie a lot because it has Morton Downey Jr. playing right. Smoking Morton Downey Jr. He's, he puts records with his tongue on the record player. Like, he's just this radio guy. He has all these tricks. And he has an angry show, and he gets a sex therapist in there. And the sex there's also a cop who's a bad guy, and the therapist kind of breaks him. I don't know. It doesn't make a lick of sense. Do, it doesn't do you, make a lick of sense. Now, now Jr. Um, gets killed. John Landis shows up. In this right. Movie. John Landis plays a bit part in which he's the DJ who's fired for, for the woman who is going to be the sex therapist. And then uh, Jeremy Piven. Your favorite. It? Yeah. he has. A, he's not wearing a wig. God bless him in this one. His natural hair. And I don't know. It's, it's Clint, uh, Howard, Clint Howard, too, who was Clint also Howard. in Carnosaur. And Brain Dead, right? I don't That's, remember that. Very possible. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is a good movie out of the three. I like this one. Yeah. Yeah. But well, it is. I, mean, I, I think it's a terrible film and you shouldn't watch it, but we all have our own opinions. You should definitely check it out with us. We talk yeah. about Morton Downey Jr. and his life. Uh, we uh, fawn over Jeremy Piven and, uh, you know. We fawn. We stand. Remember? And remember, I said he should have been the cop in the end, too. Yeah, he doesn't show up. He shows up in the beginning and then, yeah. Watch the, it with us. Watch it with watch us. Watch it with us. We on um, all right. So then the next two movies are kind of similar. Uh, we watched. They have the same actress in it. On September fifth, twenty fifth, we watched a TV movie from nineteen eighty three. Rona Joffe's Mazes and Monsters. A D and D. No crime occurs in this movie. Right. right? That's right. We will well, have crime. He, he beats up some people in the sewer, uh, but. It starts off with a live TV broadcast. There's something nefarious happened connected to the game Dungeons and Dragons in a real dungeon in a cave. And it was a real news story, not exactly, yeah. of course. He goes, "Well, we have a three minute break, and then we'll be back live." Saying what? Nothing happened. This guy disappears, and then he shows up in New York City, where then he causes havoc. But now, the reason to see this is Tom Hanks and Wendy Crewson. Wendy Cruzen. Wendy Cruzen is a prolific actor who's in the Santa Claus. She's in the next movie we watch as well. Yeah. I don't know. Maze of the Monsters. We we really kind of. I, I I did the switcheroo and did it. it's all right. It's but nothing don't really. Don't say happens. it without us. Yeah, don't um, say it without us. My from Bodyguard is in it. The kid from Bodyguard. Uh, it, 
it's interesting to you should see it with us because of our take on it. You know, if you yeah. see it on your own, you're just gonna sort of see a flat TV movie. You, yeah, it's kind and of it's way before Tom Hanks is good. He was out of Bosom Buddies. That's the reason why this movie still exists is because it's Tom Hanks is in it. This is why yes. it kind of stands out as a TV movie. Right. The, the actress you mentioned also was in another Dungeons and Dragons type movie around the time in '83. Right. Uh, she was in a movie called Skull Duggery. Yeah, we watched on October second, the day after my birthday. This is another Canadian one because things. I don't think it was because things are cheaper. I think it was a legit Canadian. It was a legit film. Canadian film. That's a really good point. This film was horrible. It was yeah. a terrible, terrible film. Watch it with us, and you'll love it. But watch it on your own, and you'll turn you it on. Make it even. Even the IMDb review says Adam kills a bunch of people for a reason. Right. For some reason. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, let's keep going. Wait. Oh, okay. So Adam, who you just mentioned, is our killer. And he, we would see him again in Terror Train, coming right up. Coming on right our, up. And also, he's the um, Well, you already talked about Wendy. Yeah, you're right. You can see this on Tubi, but don't. See it on L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. It's on our YouTube channel. Uh, and then uh, fifteen the bodies. annual Mutiny Radio, uh, there's a T-shirt. Um, festival, I was there live in the studio. Carl was on the phone. We had a bunch of comedians pop in. We had Danny Detch here, a good friend. Yes. We watched Gone with 60 Seconds to the half hour. And then we also watched something called That's Adequate. Yeah, but it won't parody. be in air. Yeah, there's not much to say about that. It is a 80s parody of, uh, anthology of parody of, of movies. Some hit, some miss. If you like there Robert was a big Jr. problem with the audio feed of Mutiny, so we can't yeah. we didn't capture it. Now, usually we're pre-recorded, but we were live, so it's just gone forever. But Gone in 60 Seconds 2 is worth it as its own episode. Absolutely. You know? And it is on YouTube as its own episode. On uh, October 16th, we did watch Terror Train, a horror movie we watched a week before Halloween. You know I hate doing that. I hate sticking movies like that. <laughs> Why? But because everyone else does it. We don't need to. Okay, do it. that's why. Yeah, well, it's from 1980. It's Jamie Lee Curtis and a bunch of Canadian medical students hop on a train for New Year's Eve. However, they fucked up this guy. He seeks revenge, murdering them. And not even as himself, magician David Blaine Copperfield can stop the, the terror. He gets the killed himself. Now, yeah. Terror Train was another one of those Canadian ones because uh, it's cheaper. And, okay, this guy, um, his name was Daniel Grudnick. He was the producer. He he watched, he went to the movies. He saw Halloween, and then he saw Silver Streak, okay? <laughs> then he had a dream. He woke up, and he turned to his wife, and he goes, what do you think about Halloween on a train? And she goes, that's a terrible idea. And he goes, terrible train. And he writes it down. Then he wakes up in the morning. He goes, no, 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 no. How about terror train? And that day, by 3 p.m., he had the deal with uh, Sandy Howard to make this film, and they decided Great. they would sign Jamie Lee Curtis. It's good. It's good. I'm not going to lie. I like this movie. Now, um, the director, uh, his he was a Canadian, of course, but the most important thing about his career was he co-wrote 48 Hours. Um, he did Turner and Hooch. Ah. Uh, yeah. 
David. You think it was a lot easier writing for a dog than it is for Nick Nolte? <laughs> yeah, bark, bark. Perfect. You have Analyze. to um, David Copperfield was in it, and it was very entertaining to see David Copperfield's magic. David Copperfield hated it because he had to memorize lines. He never did a movie again. He really didn't have a good feeling about it. Uh, we mentioned Jamie Lee Curtis. Ben Johnson, many people won't know. He was like a TV cowboy, you know, but he did a really good job. And the bad guy from uh, from Die Hard was the the lead. That's right. Oh, you're talking about the bearded coke guy who's like who makes a deal. Yes. In Die in, Hard. Yeah. In Die Hard, right? The bearded coke guy who goes. Yeah. Let me talk to this. Euro trash. I'm not sure he was bearded. I I, I don't remember. No, he was clean shaven in Terror Train. Right. Yeah. No, I mean in. No, he had a beard, buddy. Okay, oh, right. I believe you. Don't 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 fight me on that. Okay. Yeah. The killer, like right? The killer drove his friend to the audition, and they said, "No, no, no, you're not any good." But you, you, because you want to audition. That's how we got the part. He was like a transvestite in Montreal. He was very hard to work with. Um, he was the assistant to David Copperfield in the movie. Right. And exactly. ended up being, right. And he was dressed as a woman, right? Exactly. This was a good film to see without us and with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a classic film and it's on YouTube. Uh, also on YouTube, although our version got pulled on October 23rd, we watched Accidental Love. Listen, guys, I want to tell you, even though it got pulled, that means you can't search for it. If you find on our Facebook page uh, or wherever we put it, the link, you can still see it. Perfect. Thank you, Carl. This movie was called Nailed originally. It was originally directed by oh. David O. Russell, who just did uh, Copenhagen or whatever that film was this year. Uh, and he didn't like it, and he pulled his name off it. It's right. not Smithy, but he, the producers re rejiggered it, renamed it, re-released it straight to DOV. It got on YouTube. No, listen, this film was a good film, even though it, the, the, okay, 14 times they shut down the production because people weren't getting paid. Uh, they, they had real budget troubles. You're right that he, he, the director said, fuck this shit. And he was like, I'm Alan Smithy. And they said, well, you can't do that anymore. And he goes, okay, I'm Stephen Green. I don't know. Stephen Green's the new Ali. Listen, this film had Jessica Biel and Jake Gillian, but it also had James, James Marsden from the X-Men, who did a very good job. And the Sonic, the Hedgehog movies. He did a very right. good job. He played it, had, it had Pee Wee Herman. No, sorry, Pee Wee. He would hate me to hear me say that. It had Paul Rubin. Paul Rubin. Yeah, and uh, uh, Tracy Morgan's in it. It's very Tracy. funny in this. And then uh, Kurt Filler. Kurt Fuller. Fuller. Yeah. yeah. Who the character you'll recognize. He, was, he did a great performance. Beverly D'Angelo was the mom. Bill Hader from uh, Saturday Night Live was yeah, the doctor. Very. very funny. James Brolin was Speaker of the House. That's Thanos' father. Now, James Caan was originally the guy cast as the Speaker of the House that James Brolin did, but he disagreed with the director about how the guy should die, and he quit. This director would fight with actors all the time. Sure. He's notorious. There's a Lily Tomlin clip from I Heart Huckabee's on YouTube where they get into he's screaming at her and she David she, Russell gave it right back. David yeah, um it's you know there's some really good moments in this movie. 
Yeah. It's unfortunate the way it's packaged, but it's worth a watch. Without, you can see it without us. It's a very funny film. Yeah. The French, They Are Funny People, is a last movie from Surge. We watched that uh, the day before Halloween, October 30th. I'm so happy we saw this movie. The French, they are a funny race. And that bothered me because they are not a race. They're not a race. And also what bothered me is... They're not people either. They're not people either? Well, they, they... Okay, this guy was like an English man who married a French woman, relocated there. He was an author, and he had a job to write a book about the French people. And my complaint is... He made complaints about the French that you could apply to multiple countries, like bureaucracy, like yeah. hubris. The way they move on the street. Yeah. Yeah, like the way you shake hands. I don't know. This film was okay, but it, if you miss it, you're okay. It's a very talky film because the structure is based on these magazine articles and the same storyline. The story got narration throughout. I'm a fan of Preston Surge. It was a completist. I was glad I saw it. Uh, on November 6th, Carl, you see the time we have. We're going to keep going. Um, November 6th, we watched Green Grow the Rushes. Oh, this one was uh, starring Richard Hamilton. Uh, no. It, no. Bert. Meriton oh. is. Yeah, Richard Taylor. Burton. Richard Burton. Right. Uh, Honor Blackman. Uh, but for me... The highlight was the guy, whoever played the captain was fucking great. Yeah, he talked in the third person. We, yeah, this guy, like, he was in Colonel Blimp. I didn't write down his name. That's the only thing I was going to do. He talked in plural. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, the Royal We. Mm -hmm. And he had a boat, and in the boat he had a piano. And anytime he would reminisce, he would gravitate towards the piano and then start playing as he tells his story. And they even go to a landlocked house. Uh, it's yeah, a great they, story. they were washed ashore. Yeah, washed ashore. And they winds up his his love of his life is remarried, and they land on that guy's farm. Yeah, and he's talking to the guy in the farms in the house, which happens to have a piano there. And as he talks to the royal we, he goes to the piano and he starts playing again. It's yeah, genius. I love this movie. It was a lot of fun. We argued about this film, but I don't even want to get into it at this well, point. Well, we don't have time. We have like 10 minutes left. Yeah, right. But it's, I recommend watching it with us or watching it alone. It's, it's a charming movie. All right. Moving forward. Yeah. November 13th, we watched a movie from 1929, uh, Black and White, The Great Gabo. Yeah. Worth it. It was Worth a good it. film. Good movie. Eric von Steinheim, I guess the director, plays uh, Gabo who has a puppet, a uh, little ventriloquist puppet. Great production. He's jealous of the actors and Very. their musical numbers. You can see the story being told through the production. It's just, it's a great film, and the, it's creepy as fuck. Uh, I and like Most of the film is that Broadway show, right? Yeah, so as an audience member, you get to see a show on the, on the silver screen. So you get to see like a live movie and a movie. Live now, show. I could go on and talk about this, but I think that you should see it with us, not on its own. The um, dummy, yeah, he's it's one of those things where like the dummies, like it's he's crazy because he's got a right. split personality in the dummy. Francis joins the WAX, W-A-S-C, as, as from the uh, song for Cheap Trick. That was November 20th. This is Donald O'Connor, the fifth movie starring Francis the Talking Mule. They somehow right. wound up in a women's army auxiliary and comedy ensues. 
Chill Will Chill Willis, the Chill voice. Wills. Was, yeah. Chill Wills was also a general in this thing. Um, there was uh, maybe Van Doren, who was a sexy sex symbol at the time, was in it. This is a really good entry in the Talking Mule series. And of course, this guy would go on to make Mr. Ed. Doesn't that just seem perfect? Seems perfect. Yeah, Chill Wills is the voice of Francis the Talking Mule. And this is the one time he actually plays a human being as well in the right. series. And then the next, the sixth movie is Mickey Rooney and a different voice for the Mule. So check it out. Uh, on November 17th of this, 27th of this year, we watched Speak Easily, one of the three uh, comedy movies starring our friend Buster Keaton and Jimmy Durante. <laughs> this is not a comedy duo. They're two forces of nature pinballing against each other. Yeah. They're various comedy styles, a very quiet, meticulous Buster Keaton and hot cha 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 cha. Now, this is an example of one of the movies that Buster Keaton was exiled to. He had no creative control over it. But if you didn't know the backstory, you wouldn't kind of know it because it's a very funny film on its own, and he does a really good job. You don't know that he's in torture, right? Because yeah. he does his job really well. Um, this director did I Love Lucy in 1953, the movie, and... Yeah, it was one of three in which Jimmy Durante and Buster Keaton were paired together, the only one that Keaton said anything good about. And it's really interesting that the song Singing in the Rain shows up before the famous movie. Yeah, of the Jimmy, Jimmy plays it. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like if Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel were a comedy duo, they would not work well together. No. They would just do their own thing. And that's kind of how this film felt. But... It was kind of worth it, and it's better than What No Beer, another kind of prohibition title name movie. We went full circle with Donald O'Connor and Buster Keenan, and December 4th, we watched the Buster Keenan story, a hagography of reenactment of Buster Keenan's life, where Buster Keenan got a lot of money from this film, enough yes. money to retire, and it's right. not accurate. The film is absolutely not accurate. What's good about it is that Buster Keaton did make enough money, which was 50 grand, to retire with and pass away with. He didn't need another gig ever. And he was in it. Buster Keaton what, took yeah. over as one of the stuntmen. Uh, one of the police officers was sick. One of the So he became a police officer in it. And it was funny. And Yeah, Donald O'Connor reenacts some of the silent movie stuff. And it's not really worth it. It's not worth it. Buster Keaton was all over those reenactments. He um, he even made up some new stuff. He was invaluable at that way. Uh, the film was hacky. It wasn't like his own life at all. Buster didn't gate crash a movie studio and have instant fame. Not at all. He worked yeah. with Fatty Arbuckle for years. He um, didn't uh, have a child at the end of the film. At the end he of had his three career. wives. There was only one wife. There's only movie. one. It yeah. was bad. Finally, the, um, Peter Laurie was in it, and yeah. the guy who played Oscar Goldman on Steve and the Six Million Dollar Man was in it. Yeah, very young version. Finally, uh, as we wrap up, our movie we watched in December 11th was Street People from 1976, starring Stacey Keach and, of course, the charming Roger Moore. And they are Alyssa, Archibald and Charlie, or some bullshit like that. Yeah, Ulysses yeah. and Charlie. Ulysses. And it, 
It's an Italian uh, San Francisco movie where they get into car chases for no reason. Uh, and they're very privileged and nothing harms them and they know it. Now, this was another Italian, um, you know, a film that. One mic check. One two. All right, and then that's uh, Just go ahead and do it. We're live. Yeah, yeah. Hold up. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, okay. No. Year three. Try it again. This is one. Price one on their new show, and I believe you guys got big things popping. Especially how y'all be at a uh, Oakland Mind on first Fridays here at Mutiny Radio. So I'm looking forward to what y'all play. This is Doc Post a lot on the check-in. Big up to Christ One and yourself for Ugly Sundays. That's an awesome look. All y'all tune in, check them out every Sunday. What up, Age? Because we got the street, sucker! Welcome to the show, man. The show and be, H. Well, yeah. Well, me and the Lord, we got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. This is the bro, a.k.a. from Mind Over Beats Radio. The Beatnik. Uh, here to give a shout-out to H. And to Christ One on their new show. And I believe you guys got big things popping, especially how y'all be at uh, Oakland Mind on first Fridays here at Mutiny Radio. So I'm looking forward to what y'all play. This is Doc Post a lot on the check-in. Big up to Christ One and yourself for Ugly Sundays. That's an awesome look. All y'all tune in, check them out every Sunday. What up, H? 